There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Vinnie Podestivo is an Emmy Award-winning media advisor who helps clients leverage their media exposure, find fame, and make impact. Vinnie is the editor-in-chief of I Have a Podcast and is responsible for discovering and amplifying the voice of independent podcasters worldwide. As a network executive at MTV Networks between 98 and 07, he discovered talent and developed new ways to support their goals, pioneering the way brands and business owners could contribute to their public narrative by making them stars and producers of their own television series. Personal brands Vineyards helped elevate through the use of original content include Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson, Sharon Osbourne, Ashton Kutcher, Beyonce and many more. Sitting down with Vinny was like chatting with an old friend who had all the same passions in life that I did, and we could have talked all day. I think it's safe to say this won't be our last conversation. Welcome, Vinny, to the Ethical Evolution. Yo, thank you for having me, Bindi. This is this is awesome, and thank you for for creating the space and energy. And I am my sleeves are rolled up. I brought my I brought my toolkit. I brought my <laughs> art bag. I am I'm ready to create. I feel like. <laughs> I am super honoured to have you here with me right now. Um, now, Vinny, for those people that have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, can you please tell us who you are and what you do? Oh, my gosh. You are too kind. Um, and, y'all, I'm, I'm under that rock with you sometimes. So <laughs> I'm the ostrich with the head under the rock thinking they're hiding. Uh, my name is Vinny. I'm from New York, originally from Staten Island. Uh, in the 90s, I got my start in television and cable TV, um, working in news. So I, I kind of worked at CBS News, Fox News, CNN, some of the new news channels that were popping up. Um, and I would walk around town with this little, I was an Excel spreadsheet guy. Like I was a grid guy <laughs> that was just good at meeting people and passionate about finding people with talent. And what I ended up doing was combining my ability to make grids and then my ability to, to find people and create a databases and turn that into a casting career. And when some of the execs at MTV heard what I was doing, they brought me in and uh, we got to launch the talent development department. And from that came the Osbournes and newlyweds and punk and just a whole wave of unscripted reality opportunities and talent and programming. So I'd like to say, I'm sorry, but I'd also like to say <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, you know, I take no credit. I, I, I give lots of credit. I take no credit. I take no blame. Um, I'll, I'll take blame. I'll step up for the blame part. The credit I have to admit is the beautiful people I worked with, the mm. vulnerable, predominantly women, to be really honest, when I think of, of the, the 
you know, big people who made a tremendous impact. Um, Sharon Osbourne, Mm. Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, Beyonce, like some of the people I got to work with early in their career who, who, who really just made this world a much better place. And if, if all y'all knew what my secret MO was at MTV back then, I'll tell you as a, as a out gay man in the nineties in corporate America, that there was, there was no place for that conversation. Mm. So I'm so happy to say the names that I say now, because they are such champions for women and for men and for people of all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and, and, and futures. Mm. And, and I became aware of that in like, Oh, four, I was aware that the people were in like 2003, 2004, I was like, Oh, we're, we're not, I'm not, we're not just making TV shows. This is like, Mm. I'm meeting, I'm meeting people from Australia and they understand (laughs) a a, a love, a love triangle between Steven, Kristen and, and LC and, you know, from Laguna (laughs) Beach. And and if you can understand the love triangle, then maybe I'm giving you some dynamics in your life, in your world. Maybe it's vocabulary or just an understanding of relationships that exist. And maybe you'll see something that you've seen on television in your own life. And up until like, I don't know, not, not until when I, don't, I was going to say up until when I got to MTV, I don't want to say <laughs> that, but up until when, when we were finally represented on TV, up until the cameras turned around from mm. the stage and pointed on the audience, um, I wasn't going to stop because I knew inherently how much raw real talent we had out there. And, and, and I'm, I'm married to that idea mm. and I'll do anything to help people get the creative jobs they want to see success. I love helping people win awards. I love helping people get credit and I love helping them be successful. And, and the part that creativity allows them to accomplish towards their greater goal. And that's what I love. I'll make you famous as long as you have a greater goal to get off TV, off film, off books, off speaking tours and make a change. I'll actually stay on speaking tours and make a change. <laughs> Get mm. out there and, and, and change this world with your, with your energy, with your words, with your presence, with your face, with your voice, with your likeness, with your heritage, with everything that we used to not be able to bring with us and, and wear it proudly. So I knew there was the, a reason. That's you're... the Vinny you're looking at now. <laughs> you see it in my eyes? <laughs> I knew there was a reason that you and I bumped into each other and just, just by what you just said right there. But, um, you know, reality TV, like if we think back to like the, I'm going to say 80s, 90s, um, okay. when it really started to kick off um, through, through MTV, um, like that stuff's addictive. And look at the look at the level of where it's at now in 2022, um, this is the biggest, you know, slice of the pie when we look at television right now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's weird. When I was growing up, (laughs) in the nineties, there was maybe what, 20 channels, 30 channels, including HBO, some of the premium ones. Um, in the nineties, I remember when Fox news was created, I remember thinking like, Oh, you can just add channels. And I looked at my TV and I'm like, there's only 20 buttons. So I guess we can only go so far, right? Like <laughs> the, the limiting mind, like what we, what we think we know versus, you know, the reality of what's out there. Um, I got to MTV in like the mid to late nineties. Uh, MTV was born in the eighties, was launched in like, you know, in early eighties. Um, uh, Real World came out in 1992. Mm. And this global conversation around culture happened simultaneously where to be, I don't know, maybe this isn't the nicest way to say it, but I'll just, ripped the bandaid off. Maybe MTV realized 
how how what they thought some of the systems were in place, how how some of that played um, against you know race and against mm. certain types of communities. I, I got to MTV after Yo MTV raps after not only the invitation to their rap community and hip hop and R and B, not only to, to the invitation of EDM and electronic and heavy. I, I got there when when the quote unquote woke founders of MTV realized that that. Being a rock and roll channel, that's such like an American philosophy, by mm. the way. I point that out in like 80s, 90s, you know, it's such an American philosophy. Mm. Rock and roll, right? It just feels like, uh, I don't know, this don't <laughs> keep them moving, keep them moving. Don't let them think too much because then they'll realize that, <laughs> that what we're selling them is a bunch of energy. And like if they start focusing on the words, Maron, I got, I got to get to MTV in like 98 where where some of those decisions were already made i was surrounded by strong female leaders the president of mtv judy mcgrath was the original uh graphic designer you know wow. MTV. So I, I was surrounded by success stories and women and and people in marginalized communities i was so lucky to be at mtv for that purpose mm. also mtv created a platform where they were like we play music videos and then people were like what the heck's a music video and they're like well you make them we'll give you money MTV would give the artists, the labels money to go out and create this story that they were converting from theirs and, and we would air it. And it would work, it worked for MTV for, I say we, cause the MTV thing, but I'm not, trust me, I'm not a weird. <laughs> it worked for MTV for a long time because no one else played music videos. And if they did, it was only like small sections of mm. it, you know, and not until digital did, did other people really start wanting you. So, so, so music videos were kind of created intentionally for MTV distribution. Mm. And then it turned into the clubs having screens and nightlife having screens. It's funny to think of us with our iPhones out at night <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> the clubs used to have an Instagram screen and we were just like, yeah. watch the screen. You know what I mean? And and depending on the community you were in the, it, it, and what bar you were in, it completely changed what was on that screen. It was actually pretty cool. If you were in, if you were in a gay bar in New York, you knew because there, there were strong uh, uh, homoerotic images mm. on that, on that. And so there was no confusion as to where you were. There was a proudness, yep. you know, um, um, about, about that piece and, and helping people figure out their stories. That's, that's the thing that I love most is that, oh, I, I was, it's really bad because I'm like, oh, I'm a good storyteller and I'll tell your story. And meanwhile, I'll tell you, I was like patient zero, the worst storyteller ever. <laughs> um, it was, it was my senior year in, in, in college, and I went to something called EST. Do you know what EST? Le, le, landmark Forum. I'm sorry. Le, the landmark Forum is what it's called. It's, it's a deviation of EST from like the 70s, and there, there's radical thoughts on both sides of the thing. Either way, I went for a weekend, and I learned that the story I'm per perpetuating, the story I'm repeating over and over, I got bullied, and I, mm. I'm, the, I'm someone who gets bullied. Not only did I get bullied, but I'm someone who gets... You know what happens when you wake up every day and you say you're someone who gets bullied? You keep you getting bullied. Start, you, yeah, you kind of start looking for it. Right? Because, hey, at least I know one thing, right? I'm, I'm not going to prove myself wrong. So I'm just going to – I'm not saying I'm going out looking for it. But subconsciously, you know, it's it's a horrible defensive way. Mm. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe. So how do you fix it? And they're like, well, you just change your story. So what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, oh, I want to work with talent. I like talent. I think – People with creative talent are super inspiring. So I'll be a TV producer or a casting director or something like that. And he's like, well, then be a casting director. And I was like, y'all, that's like lying, though. You can't just change your mind and like, and I was really at battle with this. I was like, you can't just change your mind and then 
to claim to be something and then expect people for you to deliver on that promise. And I went back to school and I was like, oh, maybe I don't like this program I'm in. I know I can change my story, but I'm, I don't want to start lying. Oh, I never thought about this. I don't want to start lying and then have to live that lie. <laughs> I'm a gay kid in the 90s. I just mm. came out of that. <laughs> the mm. last thing I want to do is, is create another lie that I have to step into that I do not, that I do not want to be. And I went back to school and I took out an ad um, on, on something called Backstage New York, where, where actors and, yep. and, and, and talent who are looking for opportunities. I said, I'm a new casting director looking for actors who are looking for upcoming opportunities. I didn't say I have an opportunity. I said, I'm looking for people who want to be working in the future, just like me. Mm. And I got like 500 headshots wow. sent to me at my college, 8 by 10 in, <laughs> in 1998. It was the cool, it was like, I felt like Santa Claus <laughs> in Miracle on 34th Street when they take all the, the bins of mail and they're like, look, yep. he is real. <laughs> that was like my real moment. I was like, well, well, and you know, also back in the nineties, if you got mail, then it must be real. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if it's in the inbox, then you must matter to somebody <laughs> unless it's one of those like uh, free publishers, pu- pu- publisher house, you know, yep. uh, uh, DVD sales or something like that, or, or good old blockbuster back in the day. Um, and, and I, and I got that influx of people, as I said earlier, I turned to databases and technology as a way for me to organize the information, not even realizing how useful that would be, and ultimately created a database where I was then able to start connecting with actors and dancers on projects, Whitney Houston's music video, uh, uh, an MTV Christmas special, a Fox News Christmas special, and ultimately it turned into what it was. But it was that, that idea that you could just change your life, that you could just change it with a story, that, that I was kind of, I, I loved that idea. I didn't realize what I had done, which was put that story into action. So I feel like sometimes that, that piece of the story is like extricated from storytellers. Sometimes they're like, okay, you can change it, but now you got to do something in support of changing it. You know, mm. you can't just change your title and then, and so it is. Mm. Any, any more, at least. <laughs> how do you how do you really step into it and 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 make that happen? And with that experience, my technology experience, my love for TV and entertainment. When I got to MTV, my job was to cast. So I cast hosts. I cast VJs, video jockeys, hosts. They introduced music videos. I cast the films for MTV Films. We got to put Beyonce in her first film, Mandy Moore in her first film. Like it was a cool job mm. working with emerging talent. And then in 2000, when it was Sharon, Os- Sharon Osbourne sat down, my boss, Rod Asa, and a, a brilliant man, one of my best friends, and by far the mentor of my life, um, sat down and she's, she, she wanted to, I want to do something. I don't know what it is. We're gonna, it's MTV and fucking Kelly and it's going to be great. And kind of scratched our heads. And, and I think it was Rod who's, who put them on cribs. We had cribs back at the time. So yep. we were like, do a tour cribs. Usually it's the artist, but in this situation, because it's Ozzy, I think the audience will be in on the joke. Not the joke, I shouldn't say, but will be in on why he's not the person narrating the tour just because of the synapses and <laughs> the way he you know operates and, and works. And that was a great, that was a killer episode. I mean, it did so well. And and I remember lots of meetings about it and and some funny failed development meetings. But ultimately someone said, I heard Jack tell the story the other day. Someone's, someone said to the Osbournes, well, what if we just did like the real world with you? Mm. And Sharon was like, 
okay, come over. <laughs> Clean the cameras. <laughs> oh my God, if she ever hears my voice. Like, Kelly, oh my God. Kelly, I love you so much because we laugh over this, but. And that because Sharon's who I would talk to, by the way, and I, I kind of worked a little bit closer on that show in season two, uh, which unfortunately is as he kind of went back to pills and, mm-hmm. and and some some things started to get tough. But 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 Sharon was my my point of contact for talking to the kids, talking to them, getting sort of getting anything done um, outside of the outside of the main show. And I just got to learn from these people again, Sharon Osbourne, how many times do we know she changed her story? Mm. I saw Jessica Simpson change her story. She went from, it's not fair that everyone says that I'm plus size just because I'm not Christina Aguilera size. Mm. So like, this is, and why is it plus a negative? Like, Mm. and then there people, you know, they were putting her in clothes that were too small. So it didn't, they were forcing her into a persona that wasn't her. And, I even remember when she would submit music to the label, she would get notes back that would be like, we can't, you can't sing the song because no one can sing along with you. It's not, it's not like a, a song that you can sing. And we think that maybe, you know, you should bring it. So, and it, But do you think Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston ever got those kind of notes? Like she just couldn't fit anywhere. Mm. And we gave her 30 minutes a week to tell her story, to show her in the world, what a very normal yeah. person looks like. The same way we did the Osbournes. Very normal. Some said dysfunctional. That's because they thought they were high functioning. Now <laughs> they realize, <laughs> they realize, you know, we're all where we're all at. And um, and even even Ashton, you know, getting getting to work with Ashton. Ashton, at that point on Punked, Ashton wanted a production company. He wanted a hit series. He, mm. he he knew if he made he he knew he had the MTV audience in his hand. They watched that '70s show. They they yep. go to his films, but he wasn't seen as a producer, an executive producer, a media icon, a media mogul, someone who had their finger on the pulse, who could predict what was happening, put their money on it, and make money from it. And and that's what Punk let him do. And in in a lot of ways, if you watch Punk in the in the original days, he's almost like. I mean, we shot it on a camera. Mm. So sh- just short of him doing selfie mode, it felt very deconstructed, very raw. You saw the process. You saw he was making the shots. And and I saw him change his... I, saw, I literally saw Ashton Kutcher, who I thought was like a pretty big movie star, became a global name from a TV show, which everyone always poo-pooed me for <laughs> cable being on TV, working on punk Osbournes and like cable TV. But, but we added... My grandma knows that word. Mm. My, yeah. my 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 nieces and nephew and my grandma know that word Some, something i don't know what your goal is but that was my goal <laughs> <laughs> that was my goal words and a vocabulary growing right growing and adding to the conversation not confusing the conversation and as you're talking Vinny, i can i can sense this evolution of media that's happened you know like we've we've talked <laughs> about you know going from you know, the MTV days to to the point now where they don't even make music videos anymore, you know, like everything's on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, it, it's made for social media, not for TV. Like, so this evolution is happening. Um, yeah. I mean, for you, what do you think's next? Oh, I love that. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I think that we're looking, so there, there, I think there are three types of media. There's a public media that's cable TV network, broadcast network, news, anything that is probably owned 
on the American Stock Exchange and owned by companies and people. And that, that's very public facing media. There's approvals and budgets, right? You have the private side of media, which is still public. Majority of the private side of media, I'm sorry, the majority of the social side of media is still public. It's mm. still public. Mm. Meta is a public company, Instagram. T- these are publicly owned companies. What will be interesting in the social space is when we get a little bit more of a um, of of sort of uh, centralized and decentralized platforms mm. where when I want to put out content, I don't have to put it out on Instagram for it to go out everywhere. Podcasting is a great form of decentralized content. So if you, if you hear these words centralized and decentralized out there and you're like, well, I always get confused about this. Think about a podcast as an audio file that you put that, that you probably put on a, on a website, on a hosting provider, you put it someplace that you, where your account, where you have ownership over mm. It's centralized on your account. And then you connect it, right? You connect, it's RSS feed. You yep. connect that, that to Apple and you connect it to Google. So in a lot of ways, you're, it's decentralized because you, you're, you're, the sole, you're the sole person who's, who's providing that fact. But also you're now giving it out to people who don't have control over, mm. but you, over wanting it. They have control over getting it. Mm. That's decentralized, the ability, right? So what I'm seeing in TV happening now, especially in the late night shows, is late night shows are developing public TV for the social media sector. They're saying, I need a three-minute segment that I can just rip as is, no extra editing needed, and I can throw it on Instagram and I can throw it on TikTok. So we have to build that social media segment into the show. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that looks like games. Gamification is a big way that that networks love to do, uh, create segments. So then then they they forced the late-night shows to start thinking, creating unique gamification segments. It's not just Hollywood Squares and Tic-Tac-Toe and Win, Lose, or Draw. The, the games that we don't own create a new game. And James Corden comes up yeah. with Carpool Karaoke. And mm. Ellen comes out with the game of games. And now you've got these businesses that are developing smaller businesses in them that are able to leverage that, create a new project, and expand. So, so to answer your question, knowing that Broadcast is trying to get into this like sort of narrow cast world of social media. I think that the future of what's happening, I think the TV actually hasn't had its final day yet. I'm mm. excited to say this. Yeah. You know, we understand broadcast. We know that like when when the world watches the Super Bowl, we all kind of know what happened in that game. Otherwise, political events or disasters usually are the things that tie us together or, or holidays, you know, mm. but even then the holidays on schedule and that's a whole different thing. So um, it's, a, it's a whole different mechanism that is there. But if you could take broadcast, which has the ability to take a show and show it to Nashville, New York and Australia and run different commercials mm. and run different edits of that show, then you could understand how television has the ability to pick and choose who sees what they see. Right now, a lot of that's geo-targeted. Mm. Communities mm. that live in New York are going to get local New York businesses. Well, what about when we don't care about local anymore? Because your services in Australia are just as good as the services here. And the results are probably even better. Mm. So why, why should I only get stuck watching? By the way, all y'all get really good commercials. So y'all get like big movie stars from, from America who won't even see commercials that are seen <laughs> in America. Like, I can't wait to see this for, my, for myself, right? Um, 
imagine imagine narrow casting, podcasting, social casting through the broadcast mechanism. I think of MTV in the 80s. We didn't have to watch MTV to know it was on it. We heard it. Mm. There were music videos. Mm. I know it was on TV. It's a music video. I've seen it and I know it. Podcasting in a lot of ways is similar. There's two static cameras. There's a microphone covering 30, 30% of my face. Most likely something isn't going to be super interesting visually that's happening, you know, unless we're showing B-roll. But even then we would talk about it because it's an audio cast, you know, yeah. it's audio casting. So, so I think that when podcasts hit television, because you could listen to a podcast throughout the room, multiple ages, mom, dad, siblings, everyone can be listening. It's like we could be at church. Podcasting, on actually, I never even said that out loud. Church podcasts and television might be a great future of Sundays for families to have community where you have multiple communities gathered by a television in real time experiencing something as a community, but have the flexibility of space. So Mind to answer your question, blown. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, we're already seeing it, but it's in, it's in, the, it's in, the, it's in like what we get to see soon on our TV. And I can't wait to see ethical change on TV. And there will be more podcasts first. Oh. Unfortunately, there will be podcast networks and we'll have to survive that, by the way. Someone will get it right and someone will figure out how to not make I, – I should, and it shouldn't be programmatic. I'm not saying – I don't think that we should be at 7 o'clock. We have to tune mm. in for the new piece. I just want to be able to experience these, these pieces together. So there's a linear and a nonlinear way to do it. Well, you'll be pleased to know, Vinny, that I've already got the Ethical Change TV logo. So um, yes, <laughs> I like that. It's you get registered? Are you are you all registered and tied up? Uh, I haven't, but um, you know, like I said to you earlier, I used to do web TV, and it was called Ethical yeah. Change TV. So we basically <laughs> half of it was repurposing the podcast. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah, I think we've just gone three sixty. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's repurposing, right? Because 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 we're learning along the way. Now it's pre-purposing. Mm. Now you know you have the ability to have a TV show. Now, of course, we have to record in cam with, with cameras. And not only should we record with cameras, but let's make sure we're not using those uh, 2020, 2021 iMac, you know, 720 cameras that are not getting you the quality, making you look like the star that you're, you know, for $30 that we can be buying 1080 cameras that have 60 frames per second and allow us to look like the, you know, the stars <laughs> that match the energy that we're, we're shining, that we're putting forth out there. You know, I realized that I was like, wait, I'm choosing to put myself on bad camera. I can put a good camera and a bad camera and I chose a bad camera. That's a weird choice, Vinny. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to buy myself a $30 camera. Uh, and if anyone wants to know, I put it on my Amazon like shop list, whatever, too. So I, I, anything I use, I like to share with people because uh, I'm very, very, very transparent about the creative process. It's the learning process. And ultimately, I'm going to give it all away anyway because there's going to be a new microphone and a new light and a new <laughs> computer. And ask my siblings as I move on, they get, <laughs> or or my clients, you know, whoever it is that can really use use these tools in the best way possible. So, Vinny, if we take a look at you know your your dossier of TV shows um, that you helped create, um, mm -hmm. and there are just so many, so so many. Um, when you look back on, you know, I know we've talked about reality TV. When you look back, and you just mentioned earlier, the word punked became part of our vocabulary. Yeah. You've actually made a, a, a kind of an imprint on pop culture as we know it in, in the last few decades. 
Like, how does that feel? Oh. It's the, we did it. We did it. I didn't do anything. It wasn't my word. I didn't come up with that word. I, mm. Someone else came up with that word. And then someone else repeated it. And then I just am the connector that says, hey, that person repeated it and that person came up with it. You all, you all want to know each other? I'm, I'm literally a conduit. Um, I feel responsible to make sure my energy is out there and people know that when you're with me, it's the right time and right place for discovery. Uh, I, I think there's a trick to discovery uh, that some people don't get it right. I think that they think exposure is discovery. I think they, they get caught up in like being seen and then not providing any type of action mm. to allow that exposure to be turned into something. So mm. I think like, I think discovery is exposure and action. Now, exposure without action is entertainment. So I love me some exposure. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> sing a song on sing a song on TV, sing, create beautiful content that just makes me feel good. Sure, that's that's awesome. But if you create content that's discoverable and has action, then I'm not asking you to make change. I'm giving you the ability to make change inherently. And, and to be honest, that I create that way. I think, I think that in the first 20 years of my career, I thought, well, well, for, it was kind of cool because no one did what we did. So like no one came to us and pitched us shows. Like we went to them. Yep. I was like, I went to Wade Robson and I was like, Wade, you're like pretty well-known dancers. You should have a dance show on MTV. And it just seems like it makes sense or um, there's been a couple of ones that I missed. Wilmer Valderrama pitched me Yo Mama. And I remember being like, uh, I don't think that, no, I'm not going to say that. You, you could, you tell somebody else that one, bring it in. You bring it in, but I'm not going to make that on my deck. <laughs> I, like, I, <laughs> I thought that was a big X, but I got picked on as a kid. So I, I see Yo Mama jokes is not necessarily so funny. So, mm. so, until, uh, but the horrible story we tell ourselves. And then I met a friend who was able to deprogram and reprogram me. Um, even though my yo mama jokes are so bad, they're so bad. <laughs> um, I take it really, I take it really seriously. And and now, now I think a big reason why I'm so attracted to podcasts is because I've made a lot of shows. I've made, I don't say I've made a couple of, do, I've been a part of a couple of dozen shows that have made more than a hundred episodes. Mm. That's exciting. Mm. Even thousands of episodes, total requests. Some of the, the house, some, when I look at some of the, media that I inspired as a series. Like I, I created a series and then a franchise was created out of like thousands of hours. Mm. If you look at it that way, I think what I'm trying to do now is leave space for people who can create and develop 10 episodes, a hundred episodes, mini series, leave, leave space who can create leave space for people who can create and, and successfully create and develop you know, projects. Mm -hmm. For me, my goal is not to sell a, a series. My goal is not to sell a series unless I think we can make a thousand episodes out of it. Unless I think 50% of the audience in a certain demographic is going to watch it. Unless Netflix is going to change the algorithm and make sure every single person watches. I, I don't want to make something just to make it. I already did. It's a very exhaustive process. Yeah. It's an emotionally rewarding one, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Create, create. By the way, my 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 phone is full of content <clears throat> you will never see. And it's not because <laughs> it's bad. It's really good content. It's just because I made it for me. Mm. Actually, now I'm kind of going through TikTok and I'm saying and I'm kind of doing this weird like behind the scenes TikTok thing where I'm like, oh, I'll let you in on 
this process that I did five years ago now that everyone knows what it is. So I actually have unique content now that I can kind of put out there that hasn't been been done. Maybe like my own, like uh, my own version of a documentary, mm. you know, that I sort of did. But I create content just because I I feel called to. Mm. Because this little this little thumb is like make something. And I'm like, all right, but it's gonna be stupid. And it's like that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we'll go with it. But we're not gonna show anybody, right? <laughs> and then I'll get like, yeah, I might get adventurous. I'll be like, oh, maybe I'll create a new social account, call it something different, try out, try. I love that. I love that you can do that on social media. That you can, that you can claim anonymity to be able to create a blank, a, a truly blank canvas. So that no part of you as the artist or creator are part of mm. that, you know, product also. Although I do want to say that I personally have found that no one cares about my art if it's not attached to me. And most people just really, it's more about me or my story and like the result in the actual pro- product of art. It's about the, you're never going to believe how much, what Vinny made me do to get this, <laughs> <laughs> how far we had to travel, how many shows we had to, it's the story, you know, it's the story part and I guess like I'm not a storyteller. I'm not really a story maker because I believe we you, you make your story. I'm like a story editor, story refiner. That's actually something. What's the future of what's happening now? There's a lot of story tellers out there. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I don't know any, any fairy tale or any book that I have ever read that I have of great value that I have ever shared that came solely directly from a storyteller and not through the filter of an editor. Mm. So I'm curious to see where editing comes into play in our storytelling. Yeah, I mean, the Bible's been edited. Uh, I can go on and on and on about fairy tales have been adapted. You know, there's there's this, this evolution piece to it. So as storytellers, I'm curious about the stories that we're telling now, which ones will transverse time which ones will become folklore and bigger than they are now and some of that has to do with editing you know we're we're, we're so close to our stories and this goes back to my issue at 19 we're so close to our stories sometimes we don't hear the bigger picture mm. we can't even see the larger character mm. let alone understand what what else is in this in this person's world so um i'm curious to see that part i like i'm curious to see about uh, i i see tinges of it in TikTok and Instagram where people can <clears throat> duet and can kind of like uh, add to mm. your, you know, your content. There's, there's some editing there. There's social, social editing for sure. Mm. We're putting a whole different perspective on it. So I've done a couple of, uh, of TikToks where the person is saying something to do on TikTok and my face is like, you know, like that's editing, yeah. full on editing. So I'm curious to see how, how we become editors. You know, uh, we love hearing people's stories, but what about when we start changing them? Mm. And, you know, I guess, I guess it, it almost circles back to that, that reality TV and that, um, there's, there's this new wave of storytelling, which is real and it's raw. Um, and it, and it is unfiltered. It is unedited. Um, and that is the stuff that people, yeah, that's the stuff that people really connect with because that's the human. 
Yeah. And, but that's that, you know, but there's real accountability there. You know, the networks feel it. Mm. So the networks are the ones that are, are stepping up and are changing the tone of story. If you're watching housewives, Mm. the housewives that I cast 20 years ago is very different than the housewives, even though they're the same, actually, even though they're the same women, that being said, I think Bravo gutted the New York cast housewives of New York and put them all the people that you already know on Peacock, their digital platform, and it's, it's literally recast, completely recast, a whole new, it's like Menudo now. Who thought reality TV was the new Menudo? <laughs> no, no one's going around with, that, with those sound bites back then, but it is. Like now we have this awesome construct of understanding. We know that they're at a certain age. We know they're in a certain socioeconomic, you know, we have a certain um, of relationships with each other and not with each other, and then, and then recast. So uh, I guess that does that make Vicky Gundelson like the Ricky Martin <laughs> of Housewives? <laughs> I wonder. I think about that one. And maybe Bethany. I don't know. I, mm. I'll come back to you on that one. Mm. <laughs> now I've got to ask you this one, Vinny. Um, and it's almost like asking, you know, who's your who's your favorite child? Um, like, what's been your standout? What was the favorite show out of out of everything? Like if you were to pick a favorite child, what would it be? So, so sometimes it's funny because my job in casting is in the beginning part. So like the show hasn't even started. Yeah. Right. So, so when I'm at the network, my job is to make sure things are going right through production. When I'm in casting, it's just the beginning part of the job. Yeah. So so in other words, like I find the cutest puppy. Yeah. And then I bring it to you and I'm like, it's going to chew your shoes. It's going to pee on your yeah. carpet. It's going <laughs> to send me pictures because they can't wait. Um, one of my favorite shows that I got to cast, like the casting process that I love the most, um, was a show called Sunset Days. And it followed these like seven seniors in, re- in early retirement, not even early retirement, an active retirement um, down in Arizona. And I was there for about two months living with, 60, 55 to 90 year olds. And like, I just never felt like I fit in more. <laughs> um, I was good at sports. I was finally good at sports. I got, I got an edge on pickleball before everyone else <laughs> in the world <laughs> knew what pickleball was. Uh, I had conversations that I just didn't get to have as in, in, in my peer to peer friend group. Um, I got to interview people, you know, interviewing people, casting is a, is a, it's it, it's fun because it's exciting and I'm trying to find the best parts of you and I want to put that. It's also a, a scary process. Mm. I don't know the answers to the questions I'm asking. When Oprah asks questions on TV, they know the answers are already. That's been rehearsed. It's been worked out and maybe not rehearsed to the T, but a heads up has been given that this question is going to ask. So sometimes I ask questions. I don't know the answers. There's this one woman, I cast this woman. Oh my God. And she was amazing. A retired nun from Ireland. I think she was like eight, eight, maybe young eighties, late seventies. Her husband, unfortunately um, had just lost uh, vision in his eye in one eye and was starting to go blind in his other eye. And I was, I was asking sister, I was asking sister Anne about, about what it was like, you know, being in, 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 in Arizona and, is she, what's what she experiencing with her husband going through what he's going through? And she says, well, I'll tell you one thing. My, my voice has come in. <laughs> this is how, if you want to know what it's like when I pitch people at Bravo, when like Andy's sitting in front of me and he's like, well, what did they, what did they say? She was like this. Don't be all like, you know, <laughs> okay, put on the accent. So, so, so sister Anne said, um, well, 
you're going to love my answer to this one, but I'm going to give you the answer of your lifetime. I'm going to take my man skydiving. And I looked at her and I said, you're, you're going to give me, you're going to give me the flying nun episode. Like you're really <laughs> like, what are you really saying that right now? Like, she's like, that's where I'm going a thousand percent flying nun. I want my man to see what God sees when he looks down on this earth with what he has now. And, and if jumping out of a plane is going to give him that glimpse into, into what God is looking at while we are both down here, then that's something I want to give him. And it's just, and then, and then, and then she said to me, I never said this. And then she said to me, you want to talk to me about sex, don't you? And I was like, no, <laughs> if you want to say anything, I'll leave the room, I'll put the camera on, you say what you want and then I'll come back. How about that? But like, I'm not asking you questions, but if you want to talk about it, by all means, I just, <laughs> she's like, well, I just know it's cur- I know you all like talking about this. Y'all, y'all. Right? <laughs> so I did. I left the room, by the way. I left the room. I, that's how I do things though. I'm like, it's collaborative. I don't have to lead all of it. I don't have to mansplain your entire life to every person that I'm pitching your life to at these networks. Um, I can let you do it. And, and then I don't tell the network what they don't need to know. And then they get great interviews and great sound bites and raw, raw realness mm. from these people. They're like, how do you, how do you get it out of them? And I'm like, I, I literally don't. <laughs> that's my secret I literally don't it's not my job to if, if it's their job to and and my job to provoke it and if they feel like I've provoked it enough then I can leave the room and let them talk we're capable of talking into a camera alone you see enough <laughs> people do that nowadays like uh, I wasn't too far ahead of my time it's just finding people who want to do something with it though you know I'm I used to be sensitive about making people famous who just wanted fame <laughs> If you want to be on TV and you, you and you're just seeking fame, I'll tell you now it's it, it's going to be a very uh, it might be a successful journey. Um, there there are lots of reasons why some people just want fame, maybe, but they're not thinking about the real reason. Maybe, maybe they want fame, but they don't realize they just love truly entertaining people. So the more famous they can be, the more entertainment opportunities they'll have. So maybe they don't they're not quite thinking all the way through to where I would like them to be focused on, but that's what I help them do in creative arts, podcast, TV, booking, whatever it is. That's why I can work with the Mandy Moores and Beyonce's and, and, and then me and my sister and my family and, and my client, like my clients are florists and lawyers. And we have, we have regular real people jobs, not just all fancy real people jobs. Mm. But we all have the ability to stand out in what we do. And that, that's the thing I think I, I love helping people with the most. Because w- when I can help you stand out, usually I'm helping you stand up. Usually, which is posture, which is offerings, talent development. It's, it's momentum. It's creative development. It's, it's knowing how to put into action the things that you are great or horrible at. By the way, you can be bad <laughs> at something and be great at it. Ask Ask Jessica Simpson. <laughs> Chicken tuna of the sea. Is it because oh. she is a five-star Michelin? You know, her, her <laughs> skills were not in the kitchen. But how many women out there, newlyweds, could relate to fear of kitchen and not really knowing? Wait, what? Now this is like, am I am I so and I can see her mind. She's almost like, Am I supposed to be thinking about this? Now that I'm married, am I supposed to know this? Mm. Like if I have kids, am I supposed to know what's in all these? Like I can see the mind working a little bit with her too. So I, I, I love that moment because it was a, a real true moment. And it came in season two, <clears throat> which I bring up because, because 
because that was after Jessica for the first time ever had the ability to see herself mm. in real life. Cause we didn't have social media back then. So how she walks and looks and talks in a very not over Photoshop done through the music machine, you know, way. Mm. And, uh, and I, and I love that she loved the version of her mm. that we saw that we were able to create that you saw that and in, 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 the, in the new image of Jessica that you then created. And that's, that's what was cool about MTV. I can give you these like opportunities to change your life. Right. But that doesn't change reality. What changes reality is when people see you making those choices, when mm. people see you living those decisions, that's what reality TV got to do. So that, that's what I learned was, was, if we want this to be great, we have to be doing great things while we're recording so that we can be doing even greater things after. Some people think that they can just show up, get famous on TV, and then afterwards it'll, they'll, they'll put it to action. But momentum starts as soon as the camera is rolling. That, that's where change happens is in the perception of your reality. That's the power of creating content. That's why I tell people create content. Otherwise, someone else will. And then they're, they're shaping your reality. They're forming your reality. And, and they might have malicious intent and they might not have malicious intent, but they might not get it right. Mm. And that's where you come into play as a creator, as a, as someone with a voice. And that's mm. why I love podcasting. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's not TV. It, it's pretty hard to screw up podcasting to be really honest. It's easy to screw up video and all the other things that need to work with, with, with television and video content, but with audio content, it's true and tried. One of the things I've noticed you've been saying a lot, and one word you, you, you've used a lot is change, which is ironic. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, uh, as, as you would know, the whole purpose behind what I do here behind the microphone is, is to help spread that collective change one conversation at a time, to help people think about the decisions that they make and to just start making that change in those decisions that they make to make the world a better place. And yeah. that can be so simple. It's just the simplest, smallest things um, yeah. and having that awareness. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But one of the things you also were talking about was, you know, fame, getting noticed, getting exposure. One thing I'm curious about, and we've talked a lot about podcasting, there's 5.2 million podcasts out there now. Like it has mm-hmm. grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. How as a podcaster – do you cut through the noise? Yeah. Okay. How many books are there in this world? Um, billions. People still writing books. Mm. Lots of books. Mm. How many books have made the top number one chart this week? Well, one, I guess. <laughs> That's a trick question. <laughs> but how often does it happen? 52 times a year. <clears throat> yeah. My, my point is, is, first off, that number is true. And that's not active podcast. That's the total number yeah. of podcasts created. That being said, that's what we're stuck with, right? Like we're on earth. When you make something, it exists. And now I got, now, now it's here, right? Mm. It's different than TV, for example, where, where it shows cycle on and off and, and networks control the, vo- the, the volume, mm. you know, of, of what they have. That's why I brought up books. Books are really, I, I always bring up books when people bring up you know, the infinite size of podcasts. Mm. Like, Let's talk about books. <laughs> you create, you think, you think there is a lot of podcasts, people are still writing books and there's hundreds and hundreds of billions. Of, they're not even, they don't even print them anymore. We're, mm. we're losing trees. We don't have enough trees 
for all the books, but we have enough trees for all the podcasts in the world out there. Also, I want to say this. No, no one in the history of time ever, ever has ever lived the life you live. Mm. No one has your voice. No one has your experience. No one has your name. No one has any part of what you bring to the table. So much of our story tends to be focused on the characters, the verbs, the nouns, the place, the act, you know, I think that, that we, the storytellers are, are, are a big part of how that story is shared. Um, so, so I think that to be honest, we, we have, we have control. We have control over when and how our stories are shared by creating pieces of it and, and collaborating. Uh, it's the more active we can be, the more inspired we can be to make change. And, and I want to, I want to, sort of just like keep this really simple because something doesn't need to start for change to happen. That's actually not how change starts. Change doesn't start when something new starts. Change starts when something old stops. Mm -hmm. So just think <clears throat> about that for a second. I mean, sure, uh, Bindi, you're more than welcome to think about it, but just the, the listeners as well. Like, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go create a database and become a casting director and do all the pro things that I've done. Do, a, do one con thing. That stop. Stop and ask a question. Stop and ask for help. Uh, you'll find that that person who often is the person who, who would love to offer you help is someone who might be on your journey a little bit longer than you, you thought initially. So I just, I just know that change comes from a lot of places, but, but most people are afraid of change because of what it takes to create change. All it takes to create change is to stop. Then there are some next steps if you want to replace and, and take control over that change and add change, right? Which is maybe looking at patterns that we have. Maybe if you're a podcaster and you want to have a more successful podcast, look at how often you put out podcast episodes or how often you record them or where are you sourcing talent from? Like, look at the patterns that you've had there. But, but all of that aside, all of that future forward change conversation, I just like to bring up and this, this happens in development a lot. The best way for change to happen is to stop. There's so much momentum around you. Things will, if you're, you stop on the corner, the cars go by you. You know, the birds go by you. The lights change. There's change. There's life happening around you. And, and maybe something around, maybe in the ethos of, of what's already surrounding you, therein lies the answer. But you might need to stop just so that you can gain the, the correct momentum to be able to bring that new object or idea along with you. But change is, a, change is tough. People, people wait for change oftentimes for something new to happen. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change dating after this photo. No, you change dating as soon as you stopped using the old photo. That's when you change dating. Like let's, give you, like, let's give you all the credit all the way back to step one. Although people love and, and it's easy to see what we've done sometimes to merit, you know, sometimes it's easier to look at our, our gains to see what we've done right versus, um, you know, our goals and the space, the space that we use to fill that is, well, I don't want to get all spiritual, but that's grace to be really honest. Mm -hmm. so, so if you're filling that with grace, if you're filling that with your ability to be imperfect and consistently be trying to make the 
making yourself a better person and better collaborator, a better person to maybe even, maybe one of the ways that you might be a better person is, is learning how to be um, e easier to share. You know, so, so many podcasters or creatives are putting out content and it's hard to share. It's not easy to share or, or the rights aren't even shared. If I can't share the content. I can't, I don't get to celebrate this moment with you. And I know that sharing, mm. by the way, to go back to exposure meets action, sharing is the number one action that you can take when you're looking for discovery. Share my number. By the way, you want to cast me on something? Share my information with the casting director first and then book me on it. You want to book me on a guest? Let, let me tell you five other people that could be on your podcast before you, you, you secure me as a guest. That's where my mind is, is, is constantly working because mm. I'm, just, I'm just very aware that I'm not in this world alone. I, I don't work that way. It, I, I work as a solo creator, but collaboratively. And um, I just know that I don't have control over my life. Why would I think I have control over anyone else's life? So like, let's all do it together. And that, that mentality really helped, really mm. helped me create versions of other people's reality and, and our collective that, that, I, I don't, that have helped, that I think have truly helped the conversation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Now, Vinny, if people want to find out more about you and get in touch, where can they go? Oh, my gosh. I love working with friends. Uh, I'm not saying I have to agree, and I don't. <laughs> By the way, I agree with all my friends. I just like working with people that I truly like spending time with. So I asked if we haven't met yet, reach out to me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is actually a really great place for me to get social. And I'm, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I do a lot of live social audio. So, so I'm fully leaned in on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram and all the other, I'm on TikTok. I'm on every social platform you could imagine as Vinny Potestivo. And if I can help you win awards, if I could help you learn how to get credits or give credits, creative credits, if I can help you stand out as a creative, um, please don't hesitate to come to vpe.tv where I have boatloads of information, digital toolkits that will show you 50 digital awards that you can be winning as a podcaster or the influencer marketing indexes that I think you should be on where potentially you could be making money with sponsors and brands. Um, I've created these systems so that I can work and collaborate with people easily uh, so that I can also do the one-on-one -on -one piece, the person-to-person -person piece, and not have that derail me from being able to successfully help people with, with their given things. So vpe.tv or say hi on LinkedIn. That's the answer. Final answer, lock it in my answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got the last big question for you. What's okay. the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Oh, oh, wow. Oh, what a powerful question. Um, I'd love to see more collaboration. I think that I'll say, especially here in America where small business dream and the American dream and ownership over business and IP intellectual property. And there's, there's I'm not, I'm not saying it's a scam. I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's great or bad. I'm just saying it's someone else's version of a story that you can choose to participate in or not. What we have the ability to do here with podcasting is tell our stories and have them be heard the way we want them to be heard. 
at this stage of the, I, I talked about editing a little earlier. Like, let me use this as a time to warn you before the editors come to the podcast world. And I'm not even talking about like the FCC and like the government and like the big editors that start telling us what we can and can't talk about, you know, here, but on a, on a platform level, inevitably too, um, we have an ability to share what's happening, our own experiences that are completely unfiltered. That doesn't happen. Mm. I learned about World War II in school and now I watch what I didn't learn in World War II and I wonder why I didn't, I didn't learn that. I, I lived in the 80s and 90s and through certain things that I now read about but don't represent exactly what I went through. Just to be mindful that, that with, with education and editing comes other people's goals and stories and what we have the ability now to do is share and there's no voice that's too small there's no voice that's too big by the way and and every voice i think out there has an audience that's waiting to find it i think every story has an audience out there with someone who's waiting to hear it and i, I want us to be propelled to put our stories out there and and, and tell them in a, in a way now that's never been told before and I can promise you that that's regardless of what country, what, what sex, what age, what race, what, what sexuality, whatever the background is, tomorrow is not the same as today. Mm. Tomorrow I'll be even more amped up and more excited <laughs> and feel more called to get, you know, more people out there. And, and, and I'm not just saying jump. I'm saying jump know that we're here to catch you. And if I can help you in any, any way along the path, then I'm here to do that. And, um, and I, my, I have one-on-one -on -one clients, but I also built a system that I, I don't get paid to do what I love. No one can pay me to do what I love. I do what I love because I love it. And I'm never, ever going to go to a company or any place that's going to be able to pay me. And then, and then I can do the thing I love doing the most. The thing I love doing the most is helping people get discovered, be more discoverable, be more successful at being creative because they have larger goals. I love helping them build audiences. Why? Because I love, I like audience. I like audiences coming together and building communities. Like let's, let's have fun with this and make like, like really, really, really make some, some big change. And it, it starts with small audiences, your audience and my audience. Whenever next we're, when, if we, if we ever get to do a convention together or, or some type of other collaborative project and our audiences meet, that's, that's a, an awesome opportunity for community that you and I are the only two people in the world that could have brought those people together. There's power in that. There's mm. ownership. There's, you have a responsibility, you know, now to, to move on that. So I, I get, I get excited about, about that change. I think collaboration, I think collaborating, you know, back well, hundreds of millions of years ago, maybe they called it bartering, mm. <laughs> You know, so I think like, I think creativity is cash. I think that, that it is full on finance and that it is extremely, extremely um, uh, uh, valuable. And we just saw with NFTs last year, mm. how quickly they can rise and how quickly they can fall. So if we're not talking about art in this, in, you know, ghouls smoking cigarettes and like fish with one eyes and all the <laughs> zombies. And all, all, if we're not talking about that, the NFT world, I'm talking about our conversations as art. I'm talking about like our, our content as art, our personal media as art. And, and there's nothing more valuable than that. And there will be more platforms that will continue to grow that will need your content. There will be more brands 
that continue to grow that need your content. Um, it's going to be weird when like we start shopping at grocery stores because they pay us to create content, you know, like that, this is the world that we're, we're going into where it's more collaborative. Mm. The, the companies that want us to be buying from are also the ones that we want to, you know, that, that, that want to be buying from us. There's more reciprocity. There's more community building there. So I think in general, we'll see a lot more community building through collaboration and bartering, creative bartering. I love it. <clears throat> Absolutely love it. And uh, seriously, I could talk to you all day, Vinny. I really could. I know. I have loved. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think uh, I think we've got to return to this <laughs> um, because I have Back loved. <laughs> yes, I have loved every single minute with you. Thank you so much for being a part of the ethical oh, you're evolution. The <laughs> you're you're what you're doing here is game changer. It really is. And thank you for letting me be like a tiny little piece of it. And I promise that I will use this opportunity to the best of my ability. And I I don't take this invitation lightly. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the the Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.